Hey everyone, welcome to Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. Just a reminder that you can download, subscribe, uh, listen to any episode of this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, you can also find them on my website, pauldurhambooks.com, or wherever else you may get your podcasts from. Uh, and also, uh, you can find out more about me, my books, The Luck Uglies, or the forthcoming Goyle series, also on pauldurhambooks.com. Uh, it's also a great place to book a school visit, if that's something you're interested in. There are extras you can download. There are uh, t-shirts and things like that you can buy. Uh, and speaking of school visits, we are heading into fall, which happens to be my favorite time of year. Two of my favorite things take place in fall. The first thing is it's football season. And the second thing is it's school visit time. And I am actively booking school visits throughout the 2016-2017 uh, academic year. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you might be interested in booking a visit with me. Uh, on my website, go to the school visits page where you can find pictures from past events. You can see where I've been, where I'm going, uh, all kinds of great stuff like all kinds of great stuff like that. Um, a little bit of a advance heads up. I'm actually going to be appearing uh, on November 12th at the Tampa Bay Times Festival of Reading in St. Petersburg, Florida. And in connection with that event, I plan on visiting as many local schools as I can. So uh, for my broader uh, base of readers and listeners, uh, if you are in Florida, uh, you may or may not know that the Luck Ugly is, is on this year's Sunshine State Young Readers Award list. I'm really proud and excited to be on that list. Uh, so if you're a, a teacher or a librarian or an administrator and you want to have uh, me come in and talk to your kids uh, sometime in, in November and you happen to be in Florida, guess what? I'm going to be there. So don't be shy. Reach out. Uh, one of the nice things uh, about uh, doing school visits in connection with an event like that is since I'm going to be down there anyway, I can sometimes uh, offer some discounts that I wouldn't otherwise be able to. Uh, so uh, enough of that sort of business. Uh, let's talk about today's episode. Today, I am very pleased to welcome David Teague and Marisa de los Santos. Uh, they are partners and collaborators uh, in their work as well as in their lives. Uh, they're a, a terrific, uh, smart, uh, really fun married couple. I had a great time chatting with them. Uh, Marisa is a New York Times bestselling author for adults. Uh, David is uh, extremely prolific. He does picture books. He does middle grade books. And uh, together, recently, they, uh, they they came together and wrote two just wonderfully, wonderfully received uh, excellent middle grade books uh, that we'll talk about on the show. One is uh, Connect the Stars. The other, the other you may have heard of is Saving Lucas Biggs. Again, two books that, that were just all over the awards lists. And uh, two terrific, just really, really bright, wonderful, fun people to talk to. I had a great time chatting with them, and uh, I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing what they have to say. So uh, we will pick up, pick it up again uh, after the intro. Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature, that's you. Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day, 
But sometimes, it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, the business of telling lies to children, but only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you both for uh, for joining me on my little fledgling uh, podcast here. It's our pleasure. We're excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. I've, I've already had so, I've already had a lot of great authors on, and I'm really excited to have you guys on. Um, you're the first, I think, co-authors, not to mention married couple that I've I've spoken with who've uh, who've written together. So, <laughs> so that's a very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a very cool thing. I'm not sure there are a lot of us out there married and co-authors. Maybe not not in the children's market anyway. Maybe in sort of like the self help or you know sort of marriage therapy, marriage counseling type. I suppose you might be able to find a few. Right. But um, but I think yeah, I think you're the first uh, you know children's authors I've come across. And um, and so David, we, you and I first met uh, this past uh, this past fall in Miami, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, and so I got to hear I got to hear a little bit about your books and 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 Marisa, I got to hear a little bit about a little bit about about you and some of your writing, but. Uh, so I mean, how how did you guys how did you guys um, I mean let's start with like, the big questions off the bat how how did you guys start working together now I, I Marisa you you've obviously have you you've written for quite successfully for adults in the past um, right yeah the, I have now four books um, four novels for adults and another one in progress um, slow right. progress um, but I. Um, it was interesting because I was actually working on the book that came out last spring, which is called The Precious One, which is a book for adults. And um, I was I was kind of struggling with it. And while I was struggling, um, David and I just started to have these um, conversations that were very speculative, like, what if we wrote a book together? And you know, well, what if we wrote a middle grades book? And and then you know, David would say, well, what if it had time travel? And I you know, say, yeah, and it could have history and Quakerism. And, you know, it, eventually it kind of turned into this full-blown project, but every conversation would kind of end with, well, we can't do it right now because Marisa has a contract and a book to write. And um, and eventually we just decided, you know what, let's do it. <laughs> so sure, I, yeah. I took a little break from the book, I um, the adult book, um, and we sat down, we, you know, we, we put together a pretty detailed proposal and a couple of chapters and, um, and got a contract and then we just ran with it and it was a tremendous fun. Um, and, you know, then I went back to my other book with this kind of renewed energy. I kind of remembered why I loved writing and why I was so lucky to be a writer and kind of went back and finished my adult book. And then we did another book together. All right. Now, now that first book was Saving Lucas Biggs, right? That, that's what that became. Yes. That was our first joint effort. 
Right, right. Which, which obviously it was one of those. I, now I think that book came out the same year as mine. So um, obviously I was sort of paying attention to other books that came out, and that was. I mean, it got a lot of great critical acclaim, and was was all, all the year end lists. And so, you know, congratulations on that. Uh, so, David, were you that? Were you the that, that? Was that your? As as I told you, you've been incredible. You've been incredibly prolific lately. But was that your first? Was that your first published book, Saving Lucas? It was Bates? my first published novel. I had done a picture book earlier uh, about five years earlier um and then the picture book and i have another one that eventually came out but um that was the first full-fledged young adult novel that i ever published sorry middle grades novel that i ever published And, and you know the thing is i also had a novel project like marisa i had a novel project of my own that was that was um getting kind of sticky. I mean, I was having trouble moving forward with it. And that novel was Henry Cicada's Extraordinary Elktonium Escapade, which was my solo authored uh, middle grade novel. And so that was an, was the project I kind of put aside to work with Marisa on saving Lucas Biggs. So for both of us, it was kind of a way to gain momentum, you know, have a partner to rely on, have the energy of, of another uh, author and, and another perspective on our work. So for both of us, Saving Lucas Biggs kind of gave us, um, um, uh, you know, new momentum because we were working together. And it, it sounds like it kind of re-energized, or at least gave you that little spark that you needed. It's, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you were both struggling a little bit with the with the independent projects, and that kind of really got you over the hurdle, yeah. right? Yeah. Of, yeah. I definitely was. I mean, I've been working on Henry Cicada and, and just trying to get a publisher for it for for 10 years you know and among other things so yeah and, and also we kind of joke around about this but we do say and there's some truth to it, it it was nice to have something to talk about at lunch besides the kids <laughs> it's always nice to find something other than the kids to talk yeah, about isn't it yeah because I mean, we love our kids charles and annabelle but they they were in the middle grades reading range at the time when we started all this. So part of it was just thinking about how important those books always were to us when we were 10, 11, and 12, and really wanting to be part of that moment in every reader's life when when novels just totally come alive and you learn to inhabit a whole world um, that's speculative and imaginative in a book. And we were seeing that happen with our children who were about that age. And then, um, so in a way, we were still talking about kids, you know, but not just ours, but all the readers in that age group became our constituency when we started the project, or at least we felt that way. Now, did you, did you use your kids as uh, beta readers at all? Were they, did you, I mean, did, were they part of the process as well? Was it a family affair? Um, yes, it really was. I mean, we, um, our, our kids are both readers, but our daughter in particular, who's now 14, is um reads more than the rest of us put together and it's just right, sure. one of those kids who you know the the whole Harry Potter series over and over you know in in like we a matter of 2 weeks or something she'll read the whole thing so she's crazy fast and she so she was really helpful um with us and you know they they they'll they'll give us the straight truth you know they're not going to gloss over and she it, so getting her affirmation as a reader of that age who's pretty prolific reader um was was good for us and it kind of boosted our confidence because especially for me this was a very new um genre to be writing in you know writing for adults and writing for kids some things stay the same but um 
you know, it's different. And I wasn't sure if I, if I were hitting those marks and she kind of helped us realize, okay, this, this could be actually good. Sure. And, and so, so Marisa, did, did you ever have any thoughts about writing for kids? Was David, was that something you brought to the table? I mean, have you always been sort of, have you been the one who's had the inclination of writing for kids? Or was it really just kind of a mutual, uh, you know, interest that came? It's, it sounds, again, it sounds to me like, David, maybe you already had a middle grade project that you've been working on for a while. Um, so was that where your interest lied more on the, on the middle grade children's side? And it was something that, that sort of you guys got to, you know, you got to combine? Uh, well, to... I think I had certainly more exposure to it, even though I hadn't really published in the genre at that point. Um, and, and really, I, like most people, I don't like Marisa, I sort of originally thought of myself as as an adult novelist. And it just took me years to find out that my voice is more the voice of a you know, 12 year old. I, I, just, I, I just don't take myself so seriously as an adult writer. I think I'm, I'm probably a little boring, you know, just really everything is so dire and, and serious in those. And, and, you know, I, I believe I relaxed a little more and learned to have a, a more appealing voice in middle grades. So, so I was kind of there or I was at least getting there. And, um, I'll just tell you something about Marisa, or maybe she can tell you, uh, more about this, but she reads a lot of books, you know, middle grades books still. So, I mean, she's, she'd been in the genre, you know, as a reader, uh, even at the time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was probably more immersed in it, but Reese was ready to go. You know, she was right there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think as David said earlier, um, the books that, that, um, most shaped who I am are the books that I read when I was 11, 12, um, 13. And, and what David's referring to actually is my kind of, um, just funny little secret life, which is that I still read not just middle grade books, but the same books that I read as a kid. And I kind of read them over and over again until that my copies fall apart and then I, um, start over. So I, I, um, those books that kind of shape who you are and you dive into head first and, um, the, the, the characters are truly your friends. I really remember, I think, more about the characters in the books I read when I was, say, 11 than my actual friends. You know, I, um, <laughs> sure. I, they just have made such an impression on me. So I was really interested in writing for that age group. Um, I just never done it. And, um, so it's been great and I'd love to do it again. Right now, I'm, I'm working on another project, which I actually can't put aside, sure. as I did before, but I would love to do that again um, with David or alone. I thought, you know, it was, it was, it's a lot of fun to kind of put yourself back into the, sh you know, your shoes when you were 12 um, and, and think about how, what you loved. Um, and so that, it was great. So what what are some of those books that are falling apart that you've read so many times? Here we go. Um, well, you know, I, I love a writer um, who I think is not a ton of people have read. It's realistic fiction um, by a woman named Elizabeth Enright, who um, wrote uh, these but she's she she won um some new berries I think, but she wrote this book called Gone Away Lake and then returned to Gone Away Lake. But the books I really love are these books about this big family 
named the Melendies, and they're sort of these episodic books where they, you know, they live in this big house in the country, and they have these kind of adventures, but it's more about the characters. They're so character-driven, and the writing is really exquisite and holds up. You know, some of the books I loved as a kid, the writing doesn't quite hold up, but these hold up. And then Anne of Green Gables um, and uh, Madeline Langle um, and, you know, the Narnia books. Those were books that I just, you know, it was really hard for me to when I was a kid to stop reading and walk around and not feel like I was still in the book. You know, they just kind of became part of the world I walked around in. So that, that's the magic, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the magic of a, of a great middle grade or, or those books that you pick up. They didn't, I mean, when I was a kid, they didn't have the middle grade designation or the YA designation. It was just, you know, the books that you read when you were in fifth grade or sixth grade or whatever it was. Um, David, do you have any, do you have any like those that you remember from, uh, from childhood? Yeah. That's Finney, and um, he's actually going outside. Finney and Huxley are uh, – there's a little dog in Henry Cicada's Extraordinary Elktonium Escapade who looks a lot like Finney. So. I saw them. They're very cute. I saw them on your well, website. thank you, and, and they're going to go outside now. But, you know, the, the Madeline Langle that Marisa mentioned, for both of us, she was so influential, and, and she really informs a lot of Saving Lucas Biggs, you know, which has the time travel – and it has a really strong girl who who has a big job to do and and you know never gives up and and so you know I loved her and and I always really liked this series that that's still out there it's called The Dark Is Rising by Susan Cooper I loved those books and I loved them because Will Stanton is a 12 year old boy who is who has to save the world you know and it, it's it's one of those kinds of stories where you, you realize. And I think I must have read it in fifth grade. You start to think, wow, you know, people my age, people like me um, in in this version of the world matter. You know, we can we, we, we have responsibility. We can do things. And you start to feel like you're, you know, stepping into that world of adults where what you do is important and, and has could have giant consequences. So I really loved the Dark is Rising series and um and you know, I liked um, the Virginia Hamilton, um, M.C. Higgins, The Great. It's another story like that. And, 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 you know, like Marisa, I had trouble when I put the book down, I had trouble remembering, you know, where I was and, you know, what, what life I was supposed to be leading after I stepped out of the book, which, you know, I, I, I still really love it when I, not, when, I, when I feel it, when I find a novel that makes me feel that way. But it's just, it seems like it happens more, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12, 13. I, I I agree, and and I, I would also say I think it I think it happens more when you're not writing professionally. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but since you've been you know since you've been published and since you've been you know writing books for that age group, um, do you find yourselves even more discriminating than you used to be before? I know I'm terrible I'm terrible about it. I I, I sometimes I, I feel bad, and I I can be have such a short attention span when it comes to when it comes to, to reading now. It's like, I, I hope people are more forgiving of my work than I, well, <laughs> than I know that. Awesome. I was going to say that uh, look, uglies are big hit with Annabelle and me. Um, and, and, you okay. know, that, th- those are the kinds of stories I'm talking about, but Maurice and I have definitely talked to each other about the attention span thing. And we don't really know what's going on, but it's sometimes really, hard to stay in a book and I think the bar is just higher it's going to be really well, good I also think involved. we don't have the kind of time um I mean I was when I was a kid um my kids are, are are much busier um than I was when I was a kid in terms of having unstructured time and um 
I, I, you, if you, if you have lots of time, then you can kind of read books that, that, you know, you're, you're, you're not in love with, but you get something out of them and you still get the experience of them. And now I think, um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I only get to read a few books a month. So because of that, I just feel like I have to be more discriminating. I just have to put, and I put books down, which I never did. You know, I used to read them all the way through, whether I liked them or not. And I did that probably until my, until I was 30 or until I had kids. But then I was sort of like, you know, I just don't have the time to stick with something. So um, it's kind of sad, but you know, that's just, it just seems like your brain changes maybe. Well, and the, the, you know, I sort of feel like there's there's too much good stuff waiting to be discovered out there that's not necessarily going to be pushed in front of your face. So I don't. So like you said, with time, if it's not working for me for whatever reason, and everybody's tastes are different, I'd rather put it down and go find something that's going to, you know. And um, and so I think that you know, I think I guess that it is just part of part of growing up, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, one of the things that, that's always interested me, and, and again, uh, setting aside the fact that you're, that you're you're married, which is you know working working together and being married is a whole different issue, but just the, just the concept of having a co-author. I'm like one of I'm sort of like your stereotypical um, antisocial. <laughs> literally locked away in like this little shack in the woods can't have anybody around pictures that is an awesome writing space you <laughs> it, it it's a really it, it's a great spot i mean it 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 was at one time it was the ritz carlton of uh, chicken coops i mean it was a, more like an 8 by 10 foot shed but it, it was inhabited by chickens when we bought the house um and i just i've always wanted a space that was sort of my own and that was away and was was tucked away in the trees and and it, and it's it's just it's just worked out wonderful. So I I love the coop. It's, I couldn't ask for a better place to write. Um, but I, but I literally am am locked away in this old you know this this chicken coop um, in the woods. So the idea of writing with some I've never been sort of a writers group type of person. I've never been somebody who who was a big fan of writing collaboratively either. You know, it, even in college, writing papers and things like that, I, I always hated it. Um, I, I'm, so I'm very much the stereotypical sort of hermit author, and I just put on a good facade of actually being able to, to function socially. Um, <laughs> how, how do you guys manage your creative process? I mean, did it come natural to? I mean, to obviously you guys are a good team on a lot of levels, just in life. But but how did that? Uh, how how do you manage the process of, of 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 you know you've co-authored two books together now? Well, how does that work for you? You know, I think that um, it works because of the way we structure our books. So David has his chapter, his character, his voice, and I have my chapters with my distinct voice and a different character. And so the most collaborative part of it, I think, happens up front where we really are figuring out the plot. Um, and we're, we feel like because we're writing the way we write, um, and because our plots through these, some of these, I mean, time travel, nothing really is more complicated than that. So they're pretty complicated plots. And so we felt very strongly that we need to have a pretty detailed outline to begin with. Um, so a lot of the collaboration and the arguments and the, um, idea, brainstorming and ideas happen with figuring out the story. Um, and, but once we've got that, then 
one, we have our own space to be in. So if we had to negotiate over every sentence or every paragraph or, you know, if we actually, the actual writing of it had to sound uniform as if one person wrote it, I think it would be disastrous. But I think it works because I can then go into my, I don't have a, I don't have a chicken coop, alas, but I do have a third floor office and I go up and, and work by myself, um, and then bring it down to show David. But one really cool thing was that because we, we are married, but we're also big fans of each other's writing. And so I always felt like, okay, I'm going to have to hand this off to someone whose writing I admire so much and whose opinion matters to me. And I feel like it kind of made me step up my game, especially in that first draft, you know, where I, I just wanted to be impressive. Um, and I wanted to make this, you know, have done a good job so that he could then run with his chapter. And so I, it was, it was, um, it was collaborative to a point, and then we were independent, but we still had each other to kind of work out problems with, and and for someone just to, you know, we just high five each other after some chapters. Like that was awesome. <laughs> you did a great job. My turn now. Yeah, because. Uh, Oddly enough, I would say as as individual writers, we're a lot like you. I, I mean, I don't like to collaborate, and I hated it in college or high school when the teacher said group work. You know, neither of us really likes somebody in our writing sentence by sentence or word for word. But the you know, like as in most partnerships, those boundaries really helped. And, and having two narrators, two voices, and giving. Margaret or Audrey to Marisa or Josh or Aaron to me, and then sort of working it like a relay race. You know, the plot arc is the baton, and she starts it, hands it to me, and I've got to get it to the proper place by the end of my chapter. Um, that was really great discipline. And like she said, I think the chapters in the draft came in a lot cleaner because at the end of every week, and both the pace of these both pretty much dictated that we had to write a chapter a week a chapter a week and then hand off. So by the end of the week, um, you know, you knew you had to be at a certain place and the and the, it needed to be clean so your partner could take off. And um it was there was some pressure there, but it actually made that draft really clean and, and alive by the, just the end of the very you know, the first version of it was really tight. Especially with the second book when we actually knew what we were doing. And it sounds like it was a motive. I mean, just having each other was a motive. You know, as writers, I'm sure you know, well, maybe not. Maybe you're, you're the outliers. But, you know, we find ways to procrastinate. I do things like I start a podcast instead of uh, instead of finishing <laughs> instead of finishing the book I should be finishing. Um, but having, you know, have, like having somebody there, I mean, it, it sounds like that's a great motivator, especially somebody who's living in the same house as you. That it's like, all right, I have to have the baton ready to hand it off. So yeah, um, it was huge. And also, you know, just those arguments that normally as a writer I have inside my head with myself um, or, or these kind of problem-solving sessions, um, we, we could do those together, which was it – was, it was fun um, to do that, and it was also just productive. I think it, things happened a lot faster because even though we had this outline – it was the kind of thing, it was still this organic thing that, you know, we had to change things and, and, and not, and cut some plot lines or change some plot lines. And, and so all of that decision making that's usually, um, all inside my head when I'm writing my books, we got to externalize that and, you know, have com actual conversations. And I think it actually made things go faster because I can argue with myself 
pretty much endlessly. So, but we at some point have to probably stop and go do something else. So we had to get, we had to get the work done. So yeah, I think in terms of economizing time, it was great. Now, kind of move, moving on to one of my other favorite topics, uh, an area of, of this that I that I really do enjoy is, uh, and I never thought I would, is I enjoy the the promotion of of my middle grade books. Um, specifically, uh, I I love school visits, and I and I love doing you know presentations at schools. I like doing presentations at libraries and things like that. Um, how have you? Are you guys? Are you? You know, David. I know. Obviously, I I, I met you at the at, at the, the big book festival down in Miami. Uh, is that something that you guys are still actively doing? Is that do do you both do it together? Is you know how, how do you how do you divvy that up? Because um, connect the stars. I, you know, I imagine are you you're still out uh, kind of pounding the pavement a little bit with connect the stars or or so what's 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 going on with your. Um, uh, with your school visits and promotional stuff well, these days. Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, it, you, you've met me in Miami because we can, you met only me because, you know, we have the children who have to be driven to swim practice, soccer, right. and field hockey in school. So it's hard for both authors to be in the same place at the same time unless we do it this way. Um, so I, and, and because I have a, another a new book out, uh, Henry Cicada's Extraordinary Octonium Escapade, I tend to do most of the school visits and get out the most um, because, you know, I, I'm in the middle grades market still, and Marisa has to tend to her adult career. Adult stuff, so that's yeah. kind of how it works. And Marisa does a lot of traveling and publicity, but they, they usually support her adult novels. And, um, you know, we... we been to places together and it's awesome to go to a school we, we launched connect the stars at a little school down in central delaware and then they brought the whole school i mean the whole elementary there had to be 600 kids in an auditorium and we read yep. to them and answered questions and then we got to stay and meet a few um later so you know that that's awesome and i love it I, I was just this is school book fair season so i've been doing a lot of those locally I have to, you know, at the big local chain bookstore, but often I try to go visit the school just briefly the day or two before the book fair to meet all the ch kids and, and teachers um, because then they have questions and they want to talk more and they can come see me at the table at the bookstore and we can have, you know, like a 10-minute chat about their novel and, and or the books they love, which is also, Paul, you know, that's how I keep up with what to read because, you know, I just ask people in fifth grade because, you know, they're out there. Um, doing all the reading, and, and that's a good way to come up with titles. So, but for me, that's a huge part of it. And um, you know, I actually teach literature in, in, in college, and for me to meet these readers earlier, you know, because it's great to teach literature literature to someone who's eighteen, nineteen, or twenty. But in in that market, with those students, they kind of already know everything, you know, they've seen it all. Yeah. And, and then they, they, under, you know, they don't really need my help at that point, or at least if you ask them, they don't. But when I'm talking to people in third grade, you know, it's just so much more immediate and, and we, the excitement is just right on the surface and the, the potential for, I feel like the potential for making an impact, you know, you find a, a, a somebody who's trying to decide how they feel about books or how they feel about novels and, you know, as you know, it only takes one book. You only have to love one book um, as a child to just to sort of open that door and really get you into reading. So I, I love to be there for that conversation. You know, even if it's not my book, if you know, it doesn't have to be Henry Cicada that you know uh, I end up talking to my favorite third grader Tommy about last night. It's just any book um, that 
you that you get to interact with somebody who's 12 over that the excitement level is so high that um you know that kind of makes it all worthwhile you know as a writer i have to say that i'm not a great multitasker i i so what happens with me is that generally when we are coming off a uh, writing a middle grade book together, I have another project that I have to plunge into um, in an adult novel. And so it's it's harder. Like generally, you know, I finish a book and then I go on book tour. And those are kind of two separate personas for me. Um, and the book tour part of it, I love meeting readers. I'm not a great you know, traveler, and <laughs> I'd rather sleep at home, and I'd rather, I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon, but I can do it, you know, um, but it, I, it, I feel like I need to keep those two parts pretty separate, so when I'm writing all day, and then, you know, to go to a book event in the evening or something, um, where I have to put the other hat on, is not something I'm that good at. So David tends to be better at that. You know, he can he can spend his whole day at school and then he can come home in the evening and he can switch hats and he can write. I, I, I kind of get in this writer mode where, you know, I spend my day in something that's like one step up from pajamas um, just in case someone comes to the door and I hunker down with my coffee and I just work. Um, and I, it's it's hard for me to kind of break out of that and and be the kind of very social and communicative person that you need to be when you're interacting with kids. So he's just better at it, really. Um, I mean, it's just true. <laughs> well, and and it's one of those. It's it's interesting because um, I, you know, I, Marisa, I'm similar to you. I can't. I I like doing both, but I can't really combine them in one day. So when I've been out on tours, I. I one of the first tours I went out on, I had all these grand illusions that I was going to, you know, finish the book that needed to be finished. And you know, I was going to, I dragged my laptop with me, which was just a nuisance because right. I was, you know, having to go through air, airport security with a lab. I mean, I would just, it became, uh, it became a big drag. And I, and I was exhausted. And after I'm done with school visits or spending a day to school, I'm just exhausted. Like I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to pack it in for the night when I get home. Um, so as much, as much fun as they are, I can't then just easily shift into writing. I kind of have to have that division of time. Um, so I, I, I get, I get what you're, I get what you're saying there. Uh, and, and one of the things, I mean, I guess I would, I, you may have a unique perspective on this or at least a different perspective than I do. David, I don't know if we talked about this when we were in Miami, but I've always suspected, and this may or not, may or not be, may or may not be true, uh, that as children's authors, we have a, a heck of a lot more fun promoting our books than adult authors do. Now, like I said, I mean, that may just be a, a, a misconception on my part, but um, somehow the idea of getting to go hang out with kids and, you know, play at schools and, and goof around and have the mariachi band interrupt you in the middle of your presentation like they did to you, David, down in Miami, <laughs> which maybe wasn't so fun at the time. But, but it seems to me that, 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 that the energy in a school visit or the energy of getting out in front of kids um, it, to me, it seems like more fun than 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 doing a reading with a bunch of adults. But maybe I don't know. What 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 what's your thought, Marisa, on that? I mean, do do you do you get the same charge out of of doing the promotion for your for your adult books? Um, you know, I, not not the same charge, but I do. Um, it's it's just cool to meet anybody who comes up to you and says, you know, you're I I was 
I was having a rough time in my life and I was spending a lot of time, like say in a hospital room with a friend and I read your book and it really took me out of it. And anyone who says to you, this, this mattered to me and this, Mm -hmm. um, thank you. And this, this changed things for me. Then you, it, it just makes an impact on me. Um, and, but, but kids are just, you know, kids are fun. They're unpredictable. It takes more energy, I think, for me to interact with kids. So I maybe get more energized energy from them, but I also feel like I need to stay on my toes because with adults, you pretty much know, you know, there's a Q&A and you kind of know what's going to be asked. Um, you've heard the questions before. With kids, you can get completely blindsided and you have to just, you know, very quickly come up with things. So I feel like in some ways I can never be on automatic pilot with kids, which is great, but also sometimes exhausting. As you said, like you come back from things, I come back from things like that, like just ready to, you know, collapse on the couch and, you know, watch it, watch a basketball game or something. And my mind is not really ready to do anything much more than that. Yeah, you know, and and for lots of reasons, I've always advocated that we should pay public school teachers about five times as much as we currently do. But yeah, I mean, for for so many reasons. But after spending half a day with a class of third graders, you know, as much as I love it, as much as I'm energized, a lot of times I can barely drive home. And then I think, you know, uh, Miss Finley does this five days a week, all day for for nine months. You know, and 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 she's comes back the next morning and does the same thing over. And that's the part that that's where it really hits me, how much energy it actually takes. Um, because, you know, every one of these readers is, you know, is has five times the energy that I do. And, and like Marisa said, you never know what's happening in, in those imaginations, all 20 or 30 or, or 600 of them in a big auditorium. And, um, you know, you it's not that, you get well. I mean, sometimes you just get totally blindsided by the things they say, and you know have to have a stock answer like, "Well, you know, when I was a kid, I would whatever." Just sort of take the conversation in another direction. So I've always, I've always, you know, I'm always sort of ready to jump whatever direction I need to go. But um, I mean, sometimes the energy level in the room, just the actual um, physical feat of being able to cast your eyes over that many people and kind of have some idea of what they're doing and to watch the body language and to realize I've got a pocket over there underneath this, the basketball goal where, you know, they're starting to get more interested in one another than what I'm doing. So I need to walk over there with the book and stand next to them and read in a particularly, you know, uh, dramatic voice. You know, to, I need to catch this before, you know, the, the flames actually start to, uh, flicker, you know, they just to work a crowd of third graders or fourth graders is a lot of work. I mean, it's it's, it's exhausting, but I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's a blast, but it, it's definitely there's there's an art to it. And I, I was talking to another author the other day on on the podcast, and um, one of the things that was that's been really helpful to me is I've started, and this this started before I went, I I, I started touring and and doing school visits and things like that. I, re- I started listening to interviews of like stand-up comedians and stand-up comics, um, and and not you know not them doing their comedy, but them talking about their craft and how they hone their acts right. and and how they try out new material and how they sort of have to read the crowd and the audience. And I've just found it really interesting. And and I I think there are some real parallels to 
you know, trying to entertain as a comedian, trying to go and, and hold the hold the interest of an audience with going into a school and trying to hold the hold the interest of a bunch of kids. And it's something that really just evolves in every school visit. You know, you're trying out new material. You're trying out a little joke here or where am I going to insert this line or, you know, what am I going to do with a prop or you know, whatever it may be? It's all it's all a process, and it's really fun. And 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 as a, as a writer, I you know, it, 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 and I think you guys, it sounds like you're in the same boat as I am. I mean, it, it that's not a process that necessarily necessarily comes natural to writers. I mean, what makes you a good writer? None of those skills necessarily carry over to making you a good presenter or speaker. It, it's it's really it's really something that you have to cultivate. Uh, for a lot of us, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily come natural. And uh, but but like you guys said, I I absolutely love it. I enjoy it. It's it's next to writing the books. It's absolutely the second most favorite part of of what I do. And um, and it's just it. it, it and Marisa, as you were saying, um, ha, you know, having kids or or anybody come up to you and tell you, you know, tell the, the story. You always get the stories of the reluctant reader. Right? Sometimes it, usually it's the teacher or the parent who will tell you, oh, my kid never wanted to read. They were never interested in books. They found your books, and now they now I can't keep them out of the library or out of the bookstore, and, and that's really the gratifying. Uh, that that makes your for for all the sort of the grind and the stuff that's not so nice about this business. Sometimes that's what really reminds you, you know, why you do what you do. Yeah, it's such an honor. It's such an honor to enter someone else's life and their you know their imaginations and shape maybe a little bit who they are. Um, and you know, it's it's. I mean, I'm someone who, as a kid, I'm pretty sure I learned empathy from books before I learned it from um, the, the the world or my peers. And you know, I think that's true of a lot of kids. And they've said, people, kids have said that to me about Lucas Biggs. Like, I never really thought what it would be like to 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 be a person who, you know, was pushed out of of, of his home or or somebody who. Um, you know, could fight, but not with weapons, but like with words. I think that was, that's really cool. It made me think about what it would be like to be, to live another life. And that's, gosh, you know, I mean, what a privilege to be part of that for anyone, for an adult, for a kid. It's just, um, you know, it's humbling. And it's also, yes, a great reminder every time of, you know, why, uh, this matters more than, you know, that matters more than sales figures or reviews or, you know, whatever it, 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 it's that balances out pretty much all the bad. So what's, um, so what's, ex what's new and exciting, what's coming to the extent you guys can talk about it, what's coming up next? I know. So, so David Henry, Henry Cicada is the car that's, that's, that's out now, he's right? Out. He's wacky and um, just getting started. He, you know, Henry Skate is a di different book from the one Marisa, ones Marisa and I wrote. Those are uh, more serious, and even though they have time travel and superpowers, they're fairly realistic novels. Henry Cicada is more of a wacky adventure, a quest across, you know, 49 dimensions to the place where the imagination becomes real and, uh, you know, set in a fictional West Texas that would be recognizable to people who've been to West Texas, but it's still pretty wacky. So, so I, you know, I'm moving in a little bit more of a speculative, uh, humorous direction. And the next, so, so he's out, and I'm, I, I went to Elkton, Maryland, which is the birthplace of Henry's mom, which is why her greatest invention is named Elktonium. So we had a birthday party for El Henry there, and I've been to a lot of schools. So he's out, and I guess it'll be summer reading for, for kids around here and then but my next book is um it's a baseball book 
and and a sort of a fantasy book. Oscar Indigo breaks the universe and puts it back together again. I think it's the title we're working with right now. And so that's 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 you're writing. I'm working that. on that, hoping to turn yeah. that in, and you know, it, early this summer. So um, so that's my next project, and it, you know, I, and the reason I want to do another one. Almost, I almost sneezed there for all the listeners, <laughs> for all the listeners back home. Yeah, I can ed- I can edit it out or just leave it in. It makes it more natural. Okay. But um, so so but you know we we've talked about what we do next, and you know we 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 need to find time and. Uh, Probably the, the, in this, I don't know. You can edit this out too. For Marisa, it's a little bit of a financial oh. uh, come down to work with me because you know <laughs> what she gets paid for her solo projects and what she gets paid to work with me are two very different uh, orders of magnitude. So you know, so there's that. He's really bringing that up because we have a high school junior, so <laughs> uh, we've been doing college visits, and we realize that this thing is you know looming. <laughs> big check that That's we big, have to write. Yeah. So we're kind of mindful of that. You know, my the book I'm working on now, I mean, this happens to me um, with every book, the, book we, the books we've written together for kids, the books I write for adults. And what happens is the, the characters become so real to me and so separate from me um, to the point where somebody will say, oh, you know, I, I, I loved the character of um, – Margaret and I'll say I know isn't she great you know and and what I'm I'm not tooting my own horn I'm really tooting Margaret's horn because she just feels real and I miss them when I finish I mean there's always this kind of moment when you you know you're done with edits um eventually you'll get to take the book out into the world and talk about these characters but you know there's this moment when you really kind of feel lost um I'm not going to spend my days with them anymore and um What's been great about the project I'm working on now is that some characters who were children, because even though I write novels for adults, almost all of them have um, 11-year-olds or 13-year-olds or 16-year-olds in them. Um, the children from my second book and are have come kind of knocking on my door again. So now they're in their 20s. Um, and so the girl, this girl Claire, who was a child in my first two books, is now the main character as a young adult in my um, adult novel that I'm working on. So it's been just so fun to find out who she is now and what she's been up to um, in the years that we I haven't um, have been hanging out with her. And, uh, you know, just getting to tell her story feels like a privilege that I didn't know I was going to have. Um, so... Um, that's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm kind of spending my time with old friends. Yeah, that's a, that's a, what, a, what a better way to, to spend the summer, right? Right, right. <laughs> writing, writing with, uh, getting to revisit your, revisit your old friends. Um, well, listen, I could keep you guys talking all day, but, uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. It was a pleasure to, to chat with you both. Oh, it was great catching up, man. I, I really did talk yeah. to you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, ab- 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 absolutely, and uh, and like I said, thanks thank, thanks again for 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 being for being on. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, telling lies to children was brought to you by, well, nobody, just me, and my guests. One of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read ten minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, 
pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. See you next time.